listening to the Stressed But Well-Dressed podcast. It's the podcast that talks about the reality of the corporate world with both humour and honesty. We'll share some great experiences that will help you reflect on what you want from your own career and some brilliant hints and tips to help you get there. We've got some amazing speakers with a wealth of experience in a variety of industries. We will always start with some comedy and think about the highs and the lows that have helped us along the catwalk of our career. And we will finish with some great advice for you to take away. Why stressed but well dressed? We all have our own unique way of showing up to work and the way we present ourselves is part of how we show who we are. Never underestimate the power that you can have in helping you be you and know that your version of well-dressed is your confidence builder to help alleviate the stress. So what's the link between feeling stressed and the way we dress? Did you know that clothing can directly impact our psychological status and our performance? We attach a symbolic meaning to the clothes in our wardrobe and the persona they help us adopt. An item of clothing can invoke a certain psychological state because of the symbolism that we attach to it. You might feel corporate in a suit, sporty in athleisure or festive in sequins. What we choose to wear influences our mood and our performance. This is called enclosed cognition and has been researched by Dr Adam Galinsky and his colleagues Joe Adam and Joshua Margolis at Northwestern University. The research looks not only at the symbolic meaning of clothing, but how people use clothing to self-reflect and to uplift their mood to increase their positivity. This creates our own way of feeling well-dressed. We are directly aiming to alleviate our stress, whether we realise it or not. So we're here today to talk about belonging. There's loads of focus on diversity and inclusion, um, and those words have almost become buzzwords in the corporate world relating to how businesses should operate. Um, But in reality, diversity is demographic differences and inclusion is feeling like you are part of something. But actually, belonging is far more deep rooted and often a more meaningful or comprehensive word to use when you think about how people should feel included. The big question is, how do you create a sense of belonging at work? So we're joined with Lizzie Martin today, who runs her own coaching company and is going to talk to us about how um, she helps people understand how they create their own sense of belonging in the workplace, but also draw on some experiences she's had along the way. Hello, Lizzie. Hi, Dahlia. Thank you so much for inviting me along today. Uh, We're just really happy to have you. So do you want to share a bit more about what you do in the space that you work in? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned already, I run my coaching business, Work Life Mother, and we support new and expectant parents as they navigate parental leave and then return back to work with confidence and energy so that they can thrive in the workplace. And we do this through coaching individuals um, and also group coaching programs, but also really upskilling and increasing awareness of managers line managers and leaders so that they can really understand what they can be doing at this point in an employee's experience to make sure that they feel included and they can keep hold of their valuable talents so they don't lose them at this particular point in their career 
That's so interesting. And I know you work with a, a number of uh, organisations across the UK and in different industries and sizes. So presumably you'll get to understand a lot of different cultures and where it feels great to return. And obviously where people are really proud of their identity, who they are and, and actually where it can be more challenging as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we don't tend to work with any particular sector. It's more about the characteristics of the organisation. And one of the things that we've identified is that organisations are looking beyond policy and looking towards creating cultures that are consistent across the organisation. So the employee experience shouldn't be something that is dependent upon who you have as a line manager or who you happen to sit next to when you go to work. But it's something that's more of the DNA of the organization. So they're, they're companies that are very much looking towards the human side of doing business and not just looking at policies and, and processes to create that sense of culture. I think that human element is so important and, and obviously a lot of it makes people feel comfortable uh, showing up in the way that works for them. So just kind of thinking along that, guys, we always start this podcast with a little bit of comedy. And obviously this is stressed, but well dressed, thinking about how actually what you wear and, and how you clothe yourself makes you feel. I'm going to ask you straight off, Lizzie, do you have a fashion faux pas from your work experience so far? So I've had an interesting career in that my first decade of work, I had sort of fairly prescribed clothing choices. I worked for John Lewis and Waitrose for 10 years. And so we had a uniform. So it was difficult to get things too wrong because they were prescribed to you. But I do remember just before joining John Lewis and I joined on their graduate scheme, I remember thinking because everyone's going to look quite similar because we have to wear a certain sort of code of business dress, how can I set myself apart? How can I sort of land with impact and, you know, really, I don't know, build my personal brand through how I look? And I remember thinking, I know, I will wear a neck scarf and that will be my signature look. Wow. <laughs> Let's just say I must have talked myself out of it somehow because I never once wore a neck scarf, but it almost happened. I almost joined. John Lewis as the manager wearing a silk neck scarf. But you, you never quite were at that point. Never quite got to that point. And then I don't think beyond then I can think of a particular fashion faux pas, but it's definitely haunted me ever since that <laughs> I, I thought at one point that was going to be my look. I love that. And actually, you, you've kind of drawn on something really interesting there that um, you talked about the fact that um, you worked in an environment where your your uniform, your clothes were prescribed and, and everyone was very similar. And you were thinking about ways to stand out. Talk to us a bit more about kind of that idea of wearing a uniform to work, particularly in, in a management role um, and the impact that can have on, on how you show up and also your team as well. So I think one of the things that was fantastic about having a uniform is it did simplify choice every single day and there was definitely a sense of belonging because you were part of something you know it's, there's a real identity piece that comes with stepping into a group of individuals that all prescribe the same clothing and that can be great to make you feel included it's a real visual representation that you are part of a team, a little bit like being in sport or something, you know, all wearing the same kit. But then it can make it harder for self-expression. So I naturally 
worked quite well wearing a suit we had to wear you know gray black or navy and then you had to wear sort of a, a blouse or a shirt underneath that worked fairly well for me but if you were an individual that that didn't feel comfortable expressing yourself through that choice of clothing then I could see that you would be feeling as though you were concealing or having to shrinking who you were like on a daily basis um, so I think that self-expression gets massively capped because you've suddenly become very uniform, very consistent, very much cogs in a wheel, all looking the same as each other, which can reduce that sense of um, that identity and being able to express who you are as an individual. I think I think the other thing that um, uniforms at work can create is they can create an element of them and us if you've got individuals that are in certain positions of authority that works that wear certain clothes so you would wear a suit if you were a manager whereas you might wear something that was more flexible and stretchy if you were working on the shop floor or in, in the warehouse and I think it could create some of that them and us hierarchical um, exclusion as well. That's really interesting and a couple of different dynamics there thinking about actually uh, the impact good or bad that a uniform can have on culture and belonging so obviously it, it can it kind of in one sense really help people feel like they belong like they are uniform they are together but actually kind of that pronunciation of hierarchy based on what your uniform is could become really apparent as well and did you see any of those dynamics play out? Um, I definitely saw some of those dynamics play out when it came to kind of wearing a jacket. I think that was always the thing that got me. Um, so towards the end of my time working um, for that organisation, I would wear like a smart black dress, tights and heels, and I wouldn't always wear a jacket. And there was very much an expectation that in order to be seen as a senior leader, you needed to be wearing a jacket. Um, whereas I loved a three quarter length structured dress um, that suited my personality. I felt comfortable in it. I think comfort is probably something quite important to me. And I've not been afraid of perhaps pushing against some of those cultural expectations. But I definitely started to feel as though maybe there was some of that um, gender expectations around what you should be wearing at work. And, and, and I, I didn't necessarily sign up to the having to wear a jacket the whole time. But there was a, a deep seated uh, expectation that if you're a senior leader, you wear a jacket. And if you're not wearing a jacket, how can you be taking this seriously? And I think that's fascinating because there is a lot of science that talks about the fact that we attach symbolism to clothes and actually they can then provide a meaning for us or put us in a role. And I think the way that you're talking about a jacket feel, feels kind of quite symbolic of that management role or that quite traditional view of what a manager should wear. But obviously your reflections on you feeling more comfortable in a dress is very much about you choosing how to feel well dressed to give yourself the most confidence in that space, which didn't necessarily conform with some of the, the standardised ideas ideas or practice that we're seeing in terms of how managers should show up and I think it's it wasn't always driven by the internal need of the organization but it's about what uh, customers expect as well so if you're if you're walking into a shop and and for whatever reason you need to speak to the manager and somebody walks down there is sometimes an expectation that that manager is coming down wearing a suit and they've got a radio and they've got a white crisp shirt on and there's that that image and I definitely also could 
sense on people's faces that they weren't always expecting to see a young female coming down. So when you're a young female coming down and you're not wearing a jacket, you can sometimes buck the trend of what they expect to see. And did that in any way kind of impact your, your ability to feel like you belong or, or put any challenges in your way and that, that you'd almost imagined rather than ones that actually existed? I, I think sometimes I quite I, I felt maybe not quite as confident as a result of it. Um, so I think you can doubt yourself um, if you feel as though you're not conforming and you're not good enough. But then I think for me personally, it then just lights that fire in, in your tummy about saying, well, actually, no, I'm going, I am good enough, but I'm going to carve my way of doing this. So, you know, I've had customers say to me, how can you possibly be the manager of menswear when you're not a man? Um, and it just, for me, actually lights that um, motivation to prove it even more. So it gave you a bit of fire in your belly there to say, well, actually, I know I'm good enough um, and I don't need the validation elsewhere, but I'm, I'm going to kind of back myself in terms of confidence. Absolutely. And and I think, as you said earlier, like the jacket, wearing a jacket, if we use that example, it can be really symbolic of it can be the same as having like stars on your badge or something. It can really symbolize experience and status and hierarchy. But actually, I believe that your behaviors are a better symbol of your competence at work rather than what you're wearing. I think that that is so true, isn't it? And how did you, um, I guess, help other people in that space as a manager really demonstrate or, or feel comfortable and feel like they belonged? I always think the best way to kind of feel a sense of belonging is to understand what's unique about you and what you bring to the table and to be really comfortable owning that. I'll often talk about the need to stay in your own lane and I think sometimes when people feel like they don't belong they do feel like they need to conform to somebody else's way of uh, performing or behaving and I think if we can build uh, an internal trust in ourselves to be who we are, then we can bring like our whole authentic selves to the table. But it often starts with someone believing in you to be yourself, to be able to bring that person to the table. So I think for me, it's always been about trying to understand who the individual is and who they want to be and then celebrating that it's absolutely amazing to be that unique individual and that you don't have to be a, a cookie cutter you know cog in a wheel the same as the person before you and the person that's coming after you. I think that internal trust piece is is really important and, and sometimes we we are our own worst critic aren't we and we're the ones who, who put those challenges in, in front of us that, that someone else doesn't necessarily see um, and I know that's something that you deal with a lot actually when, when you support women back into the workplace and help them understand how to get the best experience in terms of returning and, and help organisations too. It's, it's obviously a big transition for people when they, they go off and, and have a maternity leave or they, or they take a parental break and, and then go back into the workplace how do you in that space help them kind of understand how to reconnect and feel like they belong again um I always think it's worth starting with understanding what your values are and what motivates you I think when you become a parent it's very common isn't it to hear people say like I, I just lost sight of who I was um you can throw your sort of priorities kind of under the magnifying glass a little bit and it can feel like you're questioning 
a lot about your life so I think it's quite often a big transition for people who you know refine themselves it coincides with the midlife for a lot of individuals so it's always worth going back to the foundations of you know what's important to you what do you believe in what are your values and making sure again that you can hear your own views and opinions but versus the noise that comes from other people in some ways becoming a parent is a time in life where everyone seems to feel like they can just give you unsolicited advice or their unsolicited opinion about what you should be doing with your appearance, your parenting style, your career, your relationship with your partner. Um, and that can feel very confusing and very conflicting for lots of individuals. So it does very much start with working one to one with those individuals to work out, you know, who are you, what motivates you and therefore what do you prioritize and, and what is your focus when you go back to work um, and then it's about finding individuals that you can be authentic with at work where you have got that psychological safety and you can have those conversations and you can say look this is this is who I am and this is what I want to achieve and these are the strengths that I bring to the table and uh... How would you then, from an organisational perspective, encourage leaders and managers to help create that sense of belonging for returners? Is that something that you would focus on? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's a number of different ways that you can create that sense of belonging. And, and most people who have it will say to me it's because they had a brilliant line manager. So most people will, will have it through a particular person will be giving them what they need in terms of taking out the time and carving the space to work with them as an individual and it could mean things like being able to adapt their working pattern to suit their new responsibilities if they've got a manager who gets it who understands that they've now got commitments outside of work that make it difficult for them to be there until 10 p.m in the evening and they've got a manager who works alongside them in collaboration to make their work work with their responsibilities that tends to be like the absolute 10 out of 10 way that individuals will say to me I feel valued I feel like I belong I feel like there's a place for me I don't feel like I've been replaced by somebody since I've been absent um that that's not always the reality you know it is a bit of a line manager lottery so it's then about saying okay well how does the wider organization create that sense of belonging so is there a working parents network does the expectant parent get buddied up with an internal mentor somebody who's perhaps gone through their transition a couple of years before them that they've got that psychologically safe person to connect with who can help them navigate change um so i would say there's a there's a piece there about having a look at your internal resources and seeing what already works well to create belonging in other aspects of your organization and how can you lift and shift those principles and apply it to those that are taking a serious chunk of time away from work and then coming back to work with a significant responsibility or responsibilities at home that can often be conflicting it with their work responsibilities. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and talking from personal experience as well, having done a return to work twice after maternity, you, you do feel like, actually, do I just slot back into the organisation? Am I the same person? What's changed for me personally? And actually, what does that mean in terms of, of how I work as well? And I, I was probably better for doing that. Um, 
and I was quite fortunate actually that I, I felt very much like I belonged to the organisation I was working for at the time and um, so I never kind of questioned my identity in relation to work but I, I definitely changed as a person um, through my maternity leaves and, and I think that'll be true for a lot of people. And, and recognising that a shift has taken place, I think, is a really critical ingredient. So recognising the person that left nine months ago isn't necessarily the same person that's coming back now. And, and lots of returners will say to me, people spoke to me like nothing had changed, yet everything has changed. And so there's an immediate disconnection there between, you know, their experience and how other people are perceiving their experience. And an exercise or you know, something that we work on with managers and with returners that works really, really well is to spend some time reviewing the skills that the returner has developed whilst they've been away from work. And we have such a strong narrative that we develop skills in the workplace, yet we actually develop transferable skills, human skills, leadership skills faster when we're exposed to new um, experiences such as raising a child bringing a baby into the world and I think when you've got an organization that values that that skill development outside of the workplace that you can now bring into the workplace that sense of wow I really belong and I'm really bringing something I'm bringing more when I come back rather than I've taken away I think that goes a really long way um, towards that individual feeling like they belong there and there's a space for them I love that the the ability to to contribute more and to add more value because of the the variety of experiences you've had and been exposed to. I think that's a a really great way to look at that return and and what that could potentially look like for both the individual and then for the organisation as well, and making sure the support is there to underpin that. Just thinking about your personal journey, so obviously you moved from um, a job which was quite prescribed in terms of how you showed up to being self-employed and and having to create your own brand, your own brand identity. How did that transition feel? Well, it's quite a significant transition for anyone that's gone through it. And I think when I when I worked within John Lewis, I, I ran my own uh, business unit, I ran my own team. So I think I always thought, oh, this is going to be fine. You know, I know how to run a business. I know, I know how to be self-motivated. You know, I wasn't micromanaged very much. So I think I always felt like, you know, I've got that internal ability to set my own direction and hold myself to account. Um, but I, when you run your own business, you don't also have that kind of external support structure that's saying to you, you're doing a good job, you're on the right track. Don't worry if you make a mistake, because we're going to be here as a safety net to pick you up if things go wrong. So suddenly you think, oh, quite exposed, I feel quite vulnerable. I might be able to motivate myself, but at the end of the day, the buck really does stop with me. And so if anything does go wrong, there is an additional level of responsibility that sits on your shoulders. And that can then make it quite difficult to switch off from work. Lots of people will talk about starting your own business as like an opportunity to escape the nine to five. And I'll often joke that, yeah, you're swapping the nine to five for the five to nine because yeah. You now just work longer emotionally and you mentally are switched on with your work identity even more. Um, so being really clear about where does work finish and where do I begin can be, you know, it can be quite a difficult thing for people to define. 
And my brand, Work-Life Mother, is a play on work-life balance. But I found people referring to me as Lizzie Martin, aka Work-Life Mother, almost <laughs> creating persona. And I remember yeah. thinking, no, 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 I don't want to be aka Work-Life Mother. That's not what I've gone out trying to achieve. But that's that brand perception that some people have shaped Wow. And, and it's interesting that you want to distance yourself from that as well, not because obviously you're not incredibly proud of, of what you've created, but because you want to retain your kind of personal identity and then have a separate business identity, which you almost work, work for and lead. And, and a lot of business coaches will say people buy from people. So they want to know about who, who you are and they want to know, you know, your story behind the brand. And with social media, there can therefore be this um jungle to navigate of like how much do I share how much behind the scenes do I share you know you have some brands where they share everything and you might look at that and think but I don't I don't want to be doing that you know I don't want to be you know some people are as you know extreme as like filming them giving birth and live streaming it through social media because they are a you know a birth company um so you have to be really clear about again it comes back to what does your lane look like so that you can stay in it and you've got to be true to yourself but it takes a bit of time working out what does being true to yourself mean I think it comes back to that internal trust piece doesn't it what feels good for me what do I need to kind of feel validated and, and actually how much of myself am I willing to share it is a huge part of it and I think we're all guilty in some ways of, of, of oversharing and then thinking oh I wish I hadn't said that um, but actually all of that kind of helps you you recognize the framework that you want to work in and how you feel comfortable showing up so just thinking about that transition to from being in uniform to obviously presenting yourself as Lizzie Martin in work-life mother, not AKA work-life mother, what's your power outfit? What makes you feel good when, when you're going out and you're presenting to people or you're engaging with new clients? It doesn't involve wearing a jacket. Or a necktie. <laughs> or a necktie. <laughs> so it, take, it took a little bit of working out, you know, like suddenly business casual. I never had business casual in my wardrobe. I used to have suits, pajamas and sportswear. That's all I used to have for 10 years. And then maybe the odd occasion dress, you know, for a wedding or a party or something. Um, so my power outfit, I actually have it in three different colours. So I have a dress. It's a um, it, it's a brand called um, Jolie Moi. And it is the most comfortable dress. It's long, goes down to my ankles. It's probably floor length on other people, but I'm quite tall. And it's got pockets and it doesn't crease and it stretches and it's not too low at the bust. And it's sort of capped halfway down the top of your arm. And I have it in three different colours from a kind of autumnal red and ready leaf pattern through to a leopard print, through to like a neon blue and pink leopard print. And I dress it up with ankle boots and I dress it down with trainers. And when I look back at my pictures of all of my significant events, you know, live sessions with leadership teams at Google, HSB, Deloitte, all of those sorts of organisations, I'm always wearing this dress, but in one of the different colours. That's so interesting. It's obviously something that you've attached that symbolism to that makes you feel really good and confident. And you've talked about having it in, in three colourways because you found something you love. Do you choose the colourway based on the culture of the organisation you're meeting, whether a bit brighter or a bit more muted? 
hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely do. I did some work with the Dorchester collection recently, and I put on my my more muted colours, yeah, you know, a bit more, bit more sophisticated, bit more luxury hospitality. And then when when I'm with Google, I'm in the neon. It's really interesting. And, and actually, on our first episode, we had a photographer and we were talking about the fact that um, sometimes, you know, photos can help you reflect on some really powerful moments. And I think you've just recalled that there, haven't you? When you look back on those photos of you wearing that dress and recognise some of those moments where you, you've done something you're really proud of, it's a real feel good factor. So just kind of, I guess, compounds more that symbolism and, and that ability to feel well dressed and really how it helps you perform. There's also a consistency piece in there. So my LinkedIn profile picture, my business card picture, and then sometimes the live sessions I do, I will purposely choose the same dress. So there's the brand consistency. So when someone's coming away from meeting me in person at a networking event, wearing my blue and pink neon dress, and then they go onto LinkedIn and they see, oh, there's the person wearing the blue and pink neon dress. There's that strength of brand consistency as well so maybe I am bringing my own identity into my brand more than I think. So it's that ability to kind of recognise and connect as well that you're driving through that maybe subconsciously as well. And I and I've I've also noticed recently that I love my dresses so much and I obviously hold my wear, myself in a in a certain way when I wear them because they I always refer to them as my confidence dress I've had half a dozen people ask me, you know, wh where have you got your dress from? And I've told them. And then months and months and months later, I'll get a message from them out of the blue to say, just wanted to let you know that I went and bought one of those dresses. And here's a picture of me wearing it in Parliament today. That That's brilliant. So obviously you're just inspiring other people to, I guess, recognise what's going to make them feel confident. And then hearing that back, it, it's not that, oh, they've got the same thing as me. It's, oh, they've recognised that there's a confidence element there and they've carried that forwards. And wear the dress with the pockets that doesn't crease, because why do we have to wear clothes that are really structured, that crease, that don't have practical pockets? Yeah, absolutely. There, there is nothing better than an outfit with pockets and it just makes things a whole lot easier, doesn't it? So Lizzie, I've just got one more question for you before we go into the lightning round. We've talked a lot about belonging and obviously you've gone from working for a very large organisation to working for yourself. How do you create that sense of belonging being self-employed? Yeah, it's an interesting question and it's one where I don't know how you measure whether you've achieved it or not, because I think belonging I'd like to think that belonging is something that is made up of like more than just your work identity, but it's belonging in all aspects of your life. But when I was reflecting upon this question, there were two things that I wrote down. And the first thing was to find other people who share the same vision as you. So you are part of something bigger. And I always say that the work that I do is one piece of a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. And I'm always interested in meeting the other 999 other people who share the same vision, but they're going about it in a slightly different way. And therefore, we all connect together. We are one piece of that puzzle. And that therefore can make you feel like you're not operating in a silo or in isolation. And then the second thing is to, is to then find a tribe of people that become your work allies, which I think you naturally do in the workplace. But you have to work harder at that in 
the self-employed space. And this morning I spent two hours with six of my peers who are in, uh, who don't necessarily share the same vision, but they're at a similar stage in running their own businesses. And we spent the, the session this morning connecting. We agreed that the purpose of the session was connection. It wasn't to talk about marketing or to talk about pricing. It was purely, we want to leave this two hour session feeling connected. So find those people and create the space. If it doesn't already stand out, if there isn't already a group, make it for yourself. I love that. And actually that example of being one piece of an a thousand piece jigsaw and finding 999 others feels very different to just thinking of yourself as a cog in a wheel. It feels like there's that is that connection piece. And actually you're trying to do something which is part of a greater good that other people are collectively trying to do. How do you lock in with them to be able to build your network and make a greater impact together? Yeah, and I think LinkedIn is just an absolutely brilliant place for that. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely agree. Lizzie, it's been brilliant. What advice would you give people who really thinking about how do I build up that internal trust and how do I really get comfortable with myself so I can work out where I belong? I think that I think you have to become aware of the, the choices and the decisions that you're making and you have to question, am I doing that because that's what I want to be doing or am I doing that because someone's told me I should be doing it? I think if you can start with increasing that awareness and like really challenge yourself on some of those questions, you'll get a greater sense of awareness as to what you need in order to thrive. And then when you do then identify that maybe there's a misalignment with externally how you might be presenting yourself and internally what might be motivating you, then you can start to make adjustments and you can tweak the direction that you're going in and find people that speak to that internal authentic version of you that maybe you're not as comfortable um showing externally just yet I, th I think that's really really good advice and, and it is all about finding that area where you feel comfortable so you're able to challenge yourself in in the right way and stretch yourself further I, I love that so we're going to close here, Lizzie. We're just going to do a quick lightning round before we finish. So uh, a few quick questions for you. Are you ready? I'm a bit nervous, but I'm ready. <laughs> so question one, smart or casual? Casual. On screen or in person? In person. Coached or being coached? Coached. If you had to pick a theme song for your style, what would it be? These boots are made for walking by Nancy oh. Sinatra. Oh, I love that. That was quick. And finally, today, are you stressed or well-dressed? Well-dressed in my <laughs> slippers. <laughs> Brilliant. Perfect homeware. Lizzie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on Stress But Well-Dressed today. Thank you for having me. What a fun podcast to be a part of. Real. Thank you. Thank you.